Welcome to the Why They Are So Angry podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Francois, a proud baby boomer with over 30 years experience as an educator and learning leader. And I'm Courtney Square, your resident first generation millennial. Join us as we present an unvarnished look at systemic racism in America throughout history and up to modern times. We invite you to pull up a chair, put in your earbuds, and allow us to enlighten, educate, and explore the real reasons why Black African Americans are so angry. Because until you know the whole history, it isn't American history at all. Hey, Courtney, it's time to celebrate fathers. And, you know, the best way we can do that is by debunking the less than flattering and outright systemically racist myths about Black fathers. You are so right, Aunt Carol. These myths often turn into really bad sound bites. And when spoken out loud, they can lead to what happened in January 2018, when North Carolina A&T senior tennis player John Wilson IV took to Twitter to detail a racist encounter he had while playing tennis against an Appalachian state player, Spencer Brown. Now, Wilson explained that during the tennis match, Spencer Brown, a freshman at App State, directed a remark towards him saying, well, at least I know my dad. Now, that's a little bit comical when you think about it. Now, Wilson said the Appalachian state tennis coach responded to the comment after he complained, well, we have a black guy on our team as oh, if that wow. would that's like well I have black friends like yes yes as if that would make it any better but through the power of black twitter and other social media outlets the school was informed and the player was suspended but come on Spencer the guy's name is John Wilson the 4th I think he knows his dad but Aunt Carol where did these crazy stereotypes begin Well, Courtney, the myth has been around for decades, actually centuries, but it was actually a controversial report in 1965 by Daniel Patrick Moynihan titled The Negro Family, The Case for National Action, that actually cemented the stereotype of Black men as absent and poor fathers. Now, although it was intended to help ameliorate racial inequities in America, that report had the opposite effect. In a nutshell, Moynihan's report reduced problems such as unemployment, children born out of wedlock, poor education, and so on, to the deterioration of the Black family headed by single mothers who had become dependent on a welfare system for uh, economic support. Now, in this report, Moynihan said, quote, this dependence on the mother's income undermines the position of the father and deprives the children of the kind of attention, particularly in school matters, which is now a standard feature of middle class upbringing, unquote. Now, the irony is that at the time Moynihan wrote this report, it was systemically racist government policies that contributed to that stereotype. For example, Based on decades old stereotypes that single mothers are raising children alone and single dads are deadbeats, the majority of the United States anti-poverty programs almost exclusively serve women and children. And 
In fact, Courtney, if a male is in the household, government assistance is reduced or forbidden since only one parent can benefit from anti-poverty programs like SNAP or the Earned Income Tax Credit. So in essence, these policies reinforce single parenthood since being married would mean less financial support for a family. Now, in spite of the complexity of the problem, that comment by the Appalachian State tennis player shows how entrenched the missing man myth has become even 57 years after Moynihan's report. But that stereotype is largely undeserved because even during the worst times, during slavery, author Libra Hilda writes in her book, Slavery, fatherhood and paternal duty to African-American communities over the long 19th century, she wrote that black enslaved men were loving, involved and emotionally invested in their children despite the barriers erected by white society. And those attributes continue to be the case even until today, Court. That's true. And even though black children are more likely than others to be born out of wedlock, it doesn't make the children fatherless or victims. Millions of kids live with their fathers half of the time or at least part of the time through joint custody arrangements. Now, my parents were divorced, but my dad was no less active in my life. Remember, adults divorce each other, not their kids. And even if the parents are not married, it doesn't mean that dad isn't around. Also, let's not forget the many stepdads, uncles, granddads, and godfathers who step in to fill the role of the father. And sometimes that means the father has passed away, not that he's a deadbeat. Um, He just might not be there and they're taking up that, that slack. Well, that's right, my dear niece. Dads come in many forms in the Black community, and men step up whenever and wherever needed, regardless if they're the biological father related by blood, or as family, that is, friends who have become family. Now, in actuality, though, when it comes to Black dads, most, in fact, live with their children. A new CDC study found that about 2.5 million Black fathers are living with their children. That same report says 70% of Black fathers were most likely to have bathed, dressed, diapered or helped their children use the toilet every day compared with 60% white and 45% Hispanic fathers. Also, more Black fathers than white fathers took their children to or from activities every day and helped their kids with homework every day. Yep. Dad step up to teach us valuable lessons like riding bikes or trying to, in my case, (laughs) changing (laughs) tires or even cooking. Sometimes they even slip in that all too famous dad joke or Uh. words of wisdom to keep it real. Yeah, the old dad joke. Now, my father, your grandfather had a host of courty jokes and pearl pearls of wisdom that come back to me almost on a daily basis. I bet your dad had a few, too. Yes, he sure did. I can definitely remember this ultimate dad joke. Why did the idiot throw the clock out of the window? Why? Mm. Because he wanted to see time fly. (laughs) That's real corny, but I remember that to this very day. But he also had a lot of words of wisdom as well, hidden between the dad jokes. Mm. 
Well, Courtney, even though we groan over those goofy jokes, they are funny in a way. And it's actually a way for fathers to connect with their kids. My father, again, your grandfather, told his share of corny jokes, but he was also full of wisdom and wise advice. One of his favorite sayings was, you only get out of life what you put into it. Another one of my grandfather bills. It's so weird calling him granddad because we had the luxury of being able to call him Bill. He would always say your health is most important. And that goes hand in hand with my father-in-law's favorite saying, which is health is wealth. Now, as a little girl, I didn't understand why health mattered so much. But now that I am a grown adult in her 40s and have lived through a worldwide pandemic, I certainly understand the value of both quotes. Well, Corey, it's interesting how smart it seems our parents and grandparents become the older we get. Another one from my father-in-law, Dr. Samuel Square says, looks never cooked you a hot meal or took care of you, which is advice that he gave to my husband. I hope I fill in both, but I do like that saying. (laughs) True words were never spoken. If you're hungry, just having a pretty face isn't going to put a meal on that table. Now, one of our older cousins, Donald Stevenson, often said, Failure is not always a bad thing. It's good to fail at being a bad person. So during these politically tumultuous times, our cousin was right on point. I like that. I definitely like that from Cousin Donald. Now, one thing my dad, I'll give him a shout out, Richard King, always said, and this has stuck with me for my entire life, you can tell me anything. We may not always agree and I may not like what you tell me and it may not make me happy, but you can tell me anything and we will always work it out. Oh, Courtney, that's a sign of a good father-daughter relationship. It's when dads encourage honest communication, that's, I mean, that's just invaluable. But let's jump back to Cousin Donald for a moment. He was a successful businessman who always knew how to handle money and had a few other gems to offer youngsters. Here's one of them. Save your money. Nothing is cheap anymore. And boy, oh boy, in these ages of uh, inflation right now, he was telling the truth. And he also said this, never spend your money on friends who don't have money, but yet have more expensive clothes than you. I guess he was trying to give us a hint. Where did those clothes come from? Exactly. Another one from our one of our listeners grandfathers who is lovingly named Stone was would always tell his grandson always know the difference between a want and a need. And that goes hand in hand with what my dad always said, which is it's better to have it and not need it and then need it and not have it. Oh, yes. Your grandfather said that one all the time. It was annoying at first, but oh, so true. Now, Courtney, we sure are lucky to have real live examples of black fathers in our lives. Dads, cousins, fathers-in-law, good men who try to instill good character into their kids. You're right, Ann Carol. Those words of wisdom came from people we know and are fortunate to learn from. But for a lot of Americans, their first glimpse of Black fatherhood is from television. And there have been some great examples of Black dads on TV. So I'm here to give you and our listeners the Why Are They So Angry Top 10 Black TV Dad Countdown. I can't wait. 
Now, before I begin, I have to give a disclaimer about one of the entries on our list, and I'm sure we all know who I am talking about. Despite the actions done by the actor himself, who has played one of these iconic TV dads, this list is based on the character and not the actor's actions in real life. Good warning. Good warning, Court. In fact, that applies to all of these uh, actors. They're actors. They are not the characters that they play. Now we're going to start with number 10. Christopher Julius Rock II, played by Terry Crews on the show Everybody Hates Chris. Now this character was inspired by Chris Rock's real dad. And it's kind of funny who number 10 and number one is on this list when I think about the two people involved. But um, he was inspired by Chris Rock's real dad, Julius. Now he's known for being a cheapskate, but proudly having two jobs as a delivery man and a security guard, which his wife, Rochelle, is quick to announce to anyone. Now, despite some of his antics, you can see that Julius loves his wife, Rochelle, his kids, Chris, Drew, and Tanya. And once the best for them he did he in fact moved them out of the projects which is the beginning of the the show into an apartment in bed Brooklyn um in the 80s also a fun fact about Julius his favorite song is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor okay I think that sums up that whole story (laughs) number nine we have carl winslow from family matters now most people remember jaleel white's portrayal of steve urkel as being the star of the show but carl played by reginald vell johnson was pretty a pretty iconic black tv dad for a lot of viewers black and white it was their first time seeing a black sitcom cop dad he was a police officer for the chicago police force Now, Carl's home was multi-generational. He not only had his wife, Harriet, and kids, Eddie, Laura, and Judy living with them. Also for a time, he had Harriet's sister, Rachel, and her son, Richie, and as well as Grandma Winslow. The show covered several topics and had silly moments, of course, brought to you by Steve Urkel. But one of Carl's best was when he confronted two cops who racially profiled his son, Eddie, after Eddie had gotten um, his convertible car. Um, In the episode, Episode Good Cop, Bad Cop, which is the 15th episode in season five of Family Matters, which aired on ABC in January 1994. Um, he confronted both of those cops and they really did talk about racial profiling. Fun fact, after all those years of trying to avoid Steve Urkel, Carl Winslow eventually becomes Steve's father-in-law when Steve and Laura get married. That was a good laugh on that on him. <laughs> now, Frank Mitchell was played by William Allen Young. Now, for millennials like me, Moesha was must-see TV. It was starring singing sensation Brandy Norwood. And for the first couple seasons, her dad, Frank Mitchell, was very relatable, especially to a girl like me. Strict, overprotective, um, just always there for his daughter and son, Miles. He was a widower, and he was living in the suburbs um, and just trying to to navigate life with a new wife, D, and his two kids, like I said, Moesha and Miles. He owned a Saturn dealership and the family was able to live well with just everyday problems and teenage hijinks from Moesha and her friends. Now, all that changed when the character Dorian came in season five. He was introduced as the troubled cousin that comes to live with them after running away from his mom. And you thought that Frank was going to do what Frank normally did, be another 
kind uncle, just a dad type um, like dads will see on this list later on. But it turned out that Dorian was Frank's love child and it totally ruined the character for for fans because it played into just a really sketchy stereotype. Even actor Cheryl Lee Ralph left the show and only came back for a few reoccurring roles because she didn't like how the network wanted to play into that stereotype of black men being unfaithful husbands and not taking care of their children. Oh boy, Courtney, the script writers fell into that old trope about the absentee father with that plot line. I agree with Cheryl Lee Ralph. That story twist was totally unnecessary and needlessly stereotyped the Mitchell character. Daniel Patrick Moynihan's myth reared its ugly head again. Exactly. But here, the next guy at number seven shatters that myth, um, pretty much shatters it to pieces. Randall Pearson, played by Sterling K. Brown on This Is Us. Now, This Is Us is a show that everybody loves, but hates how much it makes them cry. But when you get that good cry out, we're glad that we watched it. And a lot of it is due to the journey of Randall Pierce, the Black adopted son of Jack and Rebecca Pearson, and a member of what fans of the show call the Big Three, which would be his twin siblings, Kate and Kevin. We watch them all grow up. We watch Randall become a dad and a husband of his own. He doesn't fall into that angry, tough love dad stereotype. He even becomes a house dad. Working through his issues of anxiety, the death of his adopted and real fathers, as well as showing his journey, uh, the journey that many Black adoptive children have with white parents, Randall Pearson did it all with style and grace. Definitely, definitely. A character to be admired and writers to be admired for creating that type of uh, image on TV. At number six, we have Rocky Johnson, played by Joseph Lee Anderson on The Young Rock. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Now that was for my OG wrestling and I wasn't going to do it like The Rock does, which I can, but I'm not going to blow your ears out. But that was for my OG wrestling fans. But where do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson got all of that style, all of that swagger uh, starting in his wrestling and acting career? Well, he got it from his dad, Rocky, the soul man, Johnson. Now on the show, Young Rock, we see the relationship, um, of course, through rose color glasses of tv but rocky the soul man was always working the gimmick which is the which is what the rock calls it rocky was a pioneer in the world of wrestling for black wrestlers and although he wasn't perfect the rock we know today was built on the lessons of showmanship and integrity that he got from his dad well courtney so far you've chosen a pretty well-rounded strong group of tv fathers and even though they're fictional characters, they all possess some of the real world, real world characteristics that Black fathers exhibit. They're loving, honest, hardworking, even emotionally vulnerable. So let's take a quick break and come back to find out who rounds out this top 10 list. Who's going to be in the top five? Want to learn more about systemic racism? Or maybe you want to leave us a comment, rate our show, subscribe, get lots of swag, or reach out to us on social media. Well, you can go to our website, www.podpage.com. Why are they so angry? And connect with Courtney and me. You can even sign up to take our course, Systemic Racism. See it, say it, confront it. All that waiting for you at www.podpage.com. Why are they so angry? See you there. 
Well, Courtney, you've taken us down memory lane with the first five TV dads. Who else is on your top 10 list? Well, at number five, we have Bernard McCullough, a.k.a. Bernie, played by the iconic Bernie Mac on the Bernie Mac show. Now, this show represented the many black uncles out there who have stepped up to become a father figure for their nieces or nephews. In this show's case, Bernie and his wife Wanda take in his sister's kids. And if you've ever heard Bernie Mac stand up, he actually talks about his sister and her kids. So that was the the plot line and the groundwork for the show. But he takes them in when he's no longer able to be a to be a she She's no longer able to be a proper parent due to her drug addiction. Bernie is definitely a part of that strict but comical TV dad trope. He's unapologetically portrayed how a parent could be both loving and still give an old fashioned butt whooping threat as a form of discipline. It's a balance. I'm sure that many black parents actually appreciate it because sometimes black parents say, well, these TV parents, that's not real. They're too soft. So Bernie Mac slid right into that realistic role that many black parents appreciate. But I would also be remiss if I did not mention the important work in showing America the way in which black families implement the nickname baby girl. At number four, we have Andre Dre Johnson played by Anthony Anderson on Blackish. Now, my husband often says that when he becomes a dad, he wants to be like Andre Johnson. Now, Blackish is one of the best modern portrayals of Black home life and represents Gen X and elder millennial parents, in my mind, perfectly. From Dre's amazing style and hard work ethic and a little bit of selfishness and wanting to give his kids the life he never had only to fear that they're losing touch with who they are as African-Americans, which leads to the term blackish. Dre is walking a tightrope. He is definitely a dad of the hip hop generation and for years to come will be a blueprint blueprint for many future dads. Well, Courtney, both of those TV dads are favorites of mine. I actually stumbled onto the Bernie Mac show by accident while flipping channels one day. One episode and I was hooked. Not only was the show funny, but Bernie's character was comic and believable. But what really got me was the technique of having Bernie McCullough speak directly to the audience about what was happening on screen. Uh, That was just creative and ahead of its time for a TV show. Now, what I liked about Blackish is the generational interplay that comes from having Dre's parents living with them. Uh, And that was Lawrence Fishburne as Dre's father. He was able to interject some of that old school wisdom like our fathers gave us. I do love Pop's character and, of course, uh, the grandma as well. I love all the characters on Blackish. Now, number three, we have who many say is the quintessential original Black TV dad, and that is James Evans Sr., from good times he's the man he's the dad now played by john amos without a doubt like i said he is the original tv black dad and as the show's theme song stated he was keeping his head above water and making a way when he could james evans was the dad many black people in fact often joke about saying raise them and it was the first time a black family was represented on tv in such a big way 
Living in the Chicago projects in the 1970s, the Evans struggled and James often had to work more than one job and even found himself out of work, but he never accepted handouts. He represented so many black dads at the time and still today that despite their socioeconomic status or they're struggling to achieve in a country filled with racial bias, he gave society a look into those dads' hearts versus their circumstances. Every black TV dad on this list has a little bit of James Evans in him. And in season four, unfortunately, James was killed off. And it was said behind the scenes that John Amos just didn't like the direction the show was going in. Well, Courtney, you're exactly right, because here we go again with the old Moynihan issue once more. John Amos refused to portray the father as weak and ineffective, nor did he agree with some of the buffoonish behavior and antics the all-white writing team included in the scripts. In fact, even at the outset of the show's creation, Esther Rawl, who played his wife, Florida, on the show, had concerns about the show's direction over the years, especially because this was the first sitcom to focus on a Black family in a two-parent household. In particular, she advocated for the Evans family to feature a strong father figure, and she actually refused to sign on for the project unless her character had a devoted husband. Now, as you said, over time, the all-white writing team butted heads with Amos, and he was released from his contract, sadly so. And John Amos, this wouldn't be the last time he played an effective Black dad. He was Mr. McDowell in Coming to America, and he was also the older Kunta Kinte in roots oh you bet we were glued to the tv for that one number two we have heathcliff huxtable played by bill cosby on the cosby show now despite what we know about bill cosby who played the character there is no denying that heathcliff huxtable was not only an iconic black tv dad He was the iconic dad for America in the 80s and the 90s. The Cosby Show was something that white America and some black America had never seen before. Two parents, one a doctor, one a lawyer, raising five black kids in an amazing Brooklyn Brownstone. No black trauma to be found. Just amazing, fun, and relatable stories. Without Bill Cosby, there would be no Andre Johnson, no Carl Winslow, and even our number one spot had to have their way paved by the Huxtable patriarch. You've you've got it right, Courtney. As much as we disagree and uh, find objectionable the man's behavior, Bill Cosby, the writing on that show and the portrayal of that family did amazing wonders for race relations in America and also raising the pride and dignity that many Black people felt about their families. And the spinoff of the Cosby show, A Different World, caused a whole generation and include and still inspires Black teens to want to go to an HBCU. Even though Hillman is not real, uh, thank you to the Cosby show and its spinoff for inspiring so many HBCU graduates. You're exactly on target. Now, number one, and I'm a little biased because I love this show and I love this actor and uh, Uncle Phil, 
played by James Avery on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, Uncle Phil was the definition of a teddy bear. He was tough and intimidating on the outside, but had a heart of gold on the inside. And he loved and provided for his family in an amazing way because they were rich. The Banks family was for real rich. Um, He took all of the qualities of being a dad and usually had his nerves worked by his kids and his knucklehead nephew from Philadelphia um, that he took in. But Uncle Phil's soft side allowed him to take Will in, not because he was an orphan with no options, but because he needed a dad. And he helped usher Will into manhood. Now, Lord knows Uncle Phil and Will butted heads on many occasions. Now, Uncle Phil took care of Will like a son. And even in the final episode, he said, you're not my nephew, you're my son, you're one of my kids. But one of the best scenes in TV history for me is where Uncle Phil was there to take Will's anger and sadness and tears after his deadbeat dad popped into his life and then ran out for the umpteenth time. Every time I see that episode, I cry. And when you hear the story of how they got to that point, when Will Smith tells the story about how James Avery stepped in as a dad for him in that moment of how to act out those scenes, it makes it even more powerful. Well, Courtney, that was quite a list. And I agree you included some of the best Black TV dads, if not best TV dads, period. All of them defy the myth of the absentee deadbeat father. And when we watch these shows, we also find that they dispensed a wealth of comic commentary, as well as good old father wit in their dialogue, just like our own fathers. Now, as we close out our salute to fathers and dads, our unsung heroes, I wonder what our listeners think. Right now, I'm enjoying the reboot of The Wonder Years with an all-Black cast in which Dulé Hill plays the father, Bill Williams. He's a combination of a cool dude uh, who's very intellectual, has uh, uh, his own uh, way and style of acting as a dad, but he also has a little dash of sex appeal on the side. So, listeners, what corny jokes did your dad tell? What words of wisdom did they pass on? And who would you add to this list of all-time best Black television fathers? Well, I'm sure there'll be tons of comments and, and adding in dads to our list. But I hope if you're listening to this on Father's Day that you share this with your dad and spend some time with him. Now, if you are listening to this while you're driving on your way to see your dad to take him out to a nice Father's Day lunch, you can always find new and old episodes on our website, which is www.podpage.com slash why are they so angry? That brings today's episode to a close. We hope you join us next time where we continue providing the answer to the question, why are they so angry? As always, we hope you learn something so you can see it, say it, and confront it.